We're going to continue our, our sermon series on choices. Uh, all these, the reason it's like in a puzzle piece is because all of our choices make up our life. All the decisions that we make through life. And how many, how many, do you remember how many uh, choices do we make in a day on average? Y'all remember that, 35,000. I had somebody said they went out and they started counting. They, they lost count after, you know, a few 20, 30, 40, 50, you know. I need some water. I need some Fiji. This is natural artesian water from the islands of Fiji. And if you purchase this today, you know, it's our commercial break. Yeah. Get my keys out of my pocket. Not going anywhere. We're locking the doors. We're good for a couple of hours, right? You know, we're back into that Cowboys thing they're playing today, I think, at, at noon. Are they playing at noon? Yeah. So if y'all don't have a DVR, just call the church office. We'll try to hook you up with a DVR. No, don't do that. Uh, but what we're doing here is a little bit more important. So uh, thank y'all for being here. It's a good-looking group. Group. <laughs> it's a good-looking group. Uh I was going to say crew, and I said, and I was going to say groups. So it started as croup. So, uh, more water. Okay, we're talking about obedience today. And uh, I've asked, actually, I didn't told anybody this, but C is for choosing, and H was for habits last week, and O is for obedience. I'm not going to tell you the rest of it. You just have to come and find out. But today is obedience. And the reason, and when obedience came, the Lord just kind of laid this out for me, this sermon series, and that's how He does it. Um, I was thinking about obedience, and I thought, I want to ask you a really, really, really difficult question. What's the opposite of obedience? That's it? Okay. Well, that, that's, that's correct. That's, that's the right answer. And then I got to thinking, though, but why do we disobey? You ever wonder why you disobey? Do you ever wonder why you make decisions that, you know, don't honor God? And, and you're, you're a Christian and you're still struggling with making right decisions. You ever, ever wonder that? And so the, the Lord just started showing me some things. And listen, there's a plethora, and that means a lot. There's a plethora of reasons why we disobey, why we make choices of disobedience. Because every time you disobey God, you've chosen to disobey Him. That's a choice. It's a choice. So he just laid out some things for me this morning. I'm going to go through these very quickly, and then we'll, we'll get into our message. But the first thing that came to my mind is what somebody said a while ago. The opposite of, disobedience, of obedience is rebellion. Isaiah 65, 2 says, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their what? Their own what? Their own thoughts. Their own thoughts. Is it not up there? Oh. Okay. To your own thoughts. So that's when you're, it starts here, it starts here when you start to walk in disobedience. It starts with your thought life or obedience, it starts with your thought life. The second thing he, that the Lord brought to my mind was pride. Psalm 10, 4 says, are we going to have scriptures up today or not? I see people back there, not, they're not answering me. Okay, okay. Second one is Psalm 10, 4. So it's pride. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his what? His thoughts. Now, now when y'all respond, I knew it's up there. So God is in none of their thoughts. So it's pride. Pride can get in the way and cause you to walk in rebellion. It can cause you to make 
bad choices, okay? The third thing he showed me was fear or lack of trust causes us to walk in disobedience. Matthew 25, 25, you remember when, when this, the, the master gave the talents to the three servants and one of them went out and, man, he made more. He made like doubled it. And the next guy, he did pretty good too. But the third guy, what'd he do? He buried it because he was afraid of his master. He says this, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. He said, listen, at least, at least I didn't lose what you gave me. But he didn't, he didn't go out because he was afraid of what his master would think. He thought, man, you're, you're, you're a taskmaster. You're, you're a mean master. And I was afraid if I lost it, I'd really be in trouble. So there's a lot of times we don't do, we don't walk in obedience because we fear. We don't really trust God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Bottom line is, he's given us all these promises, but we don't listen, we don't pay attention, we don't trust him in his promises, so we walk in disobedience many times. The other one is, is uh, doubt. James 1, 6 says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's what? He's a double-minded man, unstable in what? All his ways. So if you're double-minded, if you're doubting your walk, if you're doubting your faith, if you're doubting the Word, if you're doubting God, you'll be unstable, not just a few of your ways, but all your ways. So if you're unstable in all your ways, you're going to be walking in more disobedience all the time. And the last one he gave me was this, is ignorance. Ignorance. Now, ignorance is not stupid. They're not the same thing. Ignorance is mean you just don't know something. Look at what, this is the Apostle Paul we're going to be looking at uh, in Corinthians today. In 1 Timothy, he says this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly, this is what he used to be, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, that means a rude, arrogant person, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. See, before you knew Christ, you didn't really know what to do. You didn't know if you're walking in obedience or disobedience unless you just knew what your mom and daddy told you was right and wrong. Right? Or wrong. <laughs> so, and then he goes on to say, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He said, I used to be that, but I don't have an excuse anymore. I don't have any, say, I don't have an excuse. So there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons for disobedience. There's just tons of them. And that's just a few. And those can multiply. And, and there are many things that can come from those things that I just listed. But our choice is, listen, once we come, as, as Paul came and gave his life to Christ, once we give our life to Christ and we start learning the Word, we start hearing the Word, we start walking in the Word, our choices should change. Our reasoning should change. Right? So much, everything should change in our life once Christ comes in. Listen, people that say, I, I gave my life to Christ and I made Him Lord of my life and there is no change in their life, I believe that they didn't do that. Okay? You know people like that, well, yeah, I got baptized when I was nine and they live like the devil now, but there's no evidence, there's no fruit in their life of Jesus Christ ever coming into their life. And, and yet they say, but I, the King of kings and Lord of lords save me. And I say, well, listen, I, there, there ought to be fruit. You shall know them by their what? Their fruit. So we're going to get into the scripture now. Because we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians verse, or chapter 6, verse 9. Because the things that we walk in disobedience because of, uh, we want to break that down this morning so you can walk out of here going, hey, now I know I don't have to walk in disobedience. You probably already know that anyway. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. 
The first thing I want you to see is in you, if you're taking notes, is but God. Say, but God. I would be this except for but God, right? He stepped in and did something in my life, but God. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, listen, this is not going to be preached in a whole lot of churches. You understand? It's the word of God, but a lot of people don't want to go here. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty serious stuff. Oh, but, but, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God, but, but God also said this. This is God speaking. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. And he goes on to say, and such were some of you. That's the word. You need to hear that this morning. And such were some. Paul saying, listen, all, these, these, all, this, all this people that practice these things, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And you used to be those people. But such were some of you. Say, say I, I were. <laughs> and not anymore. Amen? He said, but such were some of you. And then he goes on to say, but you were what? Say, I'm washed. He says, but you were sanctified. Say, I'm sanctified. And then he says, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Say, I'm justified. See, Jesus looks at us just as if we've never sinned because the blood of Jesus covers us. We are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the what? The Spirit of God. So we have, we have, listen, we have a Savior that washes us, regenerates us, that saves us, that restores us, that renews us. He said that you don't need to be living the life that you used to live. See, much of our decisions, many of our choices are based upon our past. But our past is our past. He says we become new creations of Christ. Behold, all things are new. All, all the old is what? It's passed away. So we don't live in our past. We don't make decisions based upon our past. But see that we have an enemy within. Look at verse or the second point. We have an enemy within. See, Paul, who is Paul writing to here? Was he writing to pagans or was he writing to the church? He was writing to the church. He was writing to Christians. You need to keep that pre preeminent in your mind as you, as you hear this teaching this morning, as you hear this word. See, because he's writing to the church, and now we see that Paul is, he's, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And he starts out by trying to explain or defend his actions, defend himself. I want to show you that we have an enemy within. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, many of you know this passage, we're going to go through 1 through 6, that's it. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some, who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So we look at the Apostle Paul and we go, man, he was, man, he was incredible. How many of y'all believe that? Apostle Paul, he was awesome, wasn't he? He wrote 13 books of the Bible. I mean, this guy was on fire for Jesus. He, he, he suffered so many things for the cause of Christ. And yet, here, this, this, this group of people at the church of Corinth are belittling him. They're, make, they're saying he's, he's walking in his flesh. And we go, wow, I don't understand that. I want to tell you something. that The enemy will come after whoever he can come after. But guess what? He will start out with leadership. 
He will try to come out, to come after leadership and destroy leadership. Y'all believe that? Because we have an enemy. And see, the enemy was coming from within the church. This wasn't coming from outside. It wasn't coming from angry cactus or twisted root. It's come from inside the church. Oh, we love you, Brother Paul. Have you, have you heard about Paul? He's acting. Oh, yeah, Brother Paul, come on in. We can't wait. See, he established this church. He loved this church. He loved these people. And he said, why are you attacking me? He said, listen, when I'm, when I'm there, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Fired Up Guy. Listen, there actually said there's a scripture that talks about he wasn't much of a public speaker. I can't even imagine that, you know. I just think, man, he brought the fire, man, when he came. And he probably did it maybe in a different way. He said, but when I'm with you, I'm kind of meek and mild. But when I'm away from you, you know, sometimes I have to write these letters and they're a little bit harsh. He said, but I don't have to come there and be like my letters. Okay? Because he knew there was something, there was an enemy lurking within the church and it was attacking him. And if he's attacking him, it's attacking the church. And guess what the enemy does? He has no new plan. He's trying to bring division in the church. He's trying to bring division in the church at Corinth. He's trying to bring down the people of the Corinth. He's, they're trying to, the enemy's always trying to, to subvert, and, and he, he uses his carnal weapons. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, to see, the devil has no new plan. So Paul, he says, when I get there, mm -mm -mm, you better be straightened up. Or I'm going to have to be a little bit tougher than I'm normally tough, you know, the way I am. So the third thing I want you to see is God has a strategy. Even though there's an enemy within, God has a strategy. God has a strategy. Look at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That's his strategy. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. How many of y'all walk in the flesh? Everybody, come on, raise your hands. You know why we walk in the flesh? Because we're flesh. We're flesh and blood. You think Paul wasn't tempted? You think when he was in shipwrecks, when he was beaten and drugged out of the city, all the things that happened to him, you don't think he was like, man, I want to get up and kick some booty. Really, he was, he was tempted. I'm sure he was tempted. I mean, there were times when Paul writes about all these people that had abandoned him, and he was feeling sorry for himself. He was very, I would say he was on very near depression at some point. He said, listen, all my, everybody's abandoned me. And then he goes on to account, but not everybody. There was a couple that stayed with him. He had been attacked from every angle by the enemy from without and, from the, and the enemy from within. He had been attacked. But God says, listen, I've got a strategy. Paul says, look, and even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Because we have, number four, we have spiritual armor. We have spiritual weapons. Say spiritual armor. Spiritual weapons. So we don't, have, we don't have to walk. Listen, our weapons are not carnal. That means worldly. Okay? So look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Say, my weapons are not, they're not worldly. But they're mighty in God. Mighty in God. See, if we get that part, then we understand our weapons are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. God wants to get, he wants, if you've got a stronghold in your life, we're talking about a negative stronghold. I believe there are positive strongholds like the Holy Spirit, but there are negative strongholds. That's what he's talking about here. He said, we need to get these, we, these need to be pulled down in your life. They need to be eradicated in your life. They need to be done away with in your life. So everybody, listen, you've done, how many of you have dealt with strongholds in your life? Maybe you're, you're dealing with one right now. Be honest. There's something that, that you just, 
If, if you, you seem to be free in this area, in this area, in this area, but there's just a one area that the enemy keeps kind of hanging on to and, and tormenting you with. And it's a stronghold. Paul says, listen, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. See, carnal weapons, he's not talking about a gun and a knife when he talks about carnal weapons here. You know what he's talking about when he's talking about carnal weapons? He's talking about manipulation. He's talking about deception. He's talking about human schemes and human wisdom. See, that's what they were using in the church at Corinth. They weren't using spiritual weapons. They were using carnal weapons. They were going behind people's back. Now listen, did you know the enemy uses gossip like more than anything? Now, did you hear about it so-and-so? No, tell me about it. Tell me about it. And, and we, well, I just heard. Listen, when they just say, I just heard, you might have wanted to say, well, you don't know? No, I just heard. And you need to say, well, that's gossip. Don't participate with it. You know, if, if you just quit participating with gossip, there wouldn't be any gossip. Because that one person that likes to gossip is just go, man, I'm going to go somebody, some go, I'm going to go somewhere else. These people just don't like to hear my prayer request. <laughs> did you did you hear about oh, yeah, he, yeah, we really need to pray for him. I heard he's done, yeah, prayer request, prayer request, prayer request, gossip, gossip, gossip. No intention of really praying for them. But they're going to let you know what's going on. So we have an enemy within. We have God's strategy. And then he gives us these spiritual weapons. Not human. Not carnal weapons. You know what the weapons are. And you know what the armor is. It's the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. The shoes of peace. The shield of faith. Which quenches every fire dart of the enemy. The sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. And prayer. We have these spiritual armor. We have these spiritual weapons. The weapon is the word. We have spiritual weapons. They're mighty in God to pull down strongholds. Amen? See, the, the Corinthian church, man, the Corinthian church was one messed up church. You know, we talk about the church in America today. Man, the church in America is messed up. Well, the church at Corinth back then was messed up. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians? Anybody? What they were dealing with, sexual immorality was rampant in the church. You know, like, Incest was rampant in the church. Uh, they were abusing. Listen, they had the Lord's Supper. You know what they use that as an excuse to do? Get drunk. Hey, well, I heard they're having communion down at the house. Let's go, baby. Bring the bottle. And they were gluttons. They were, they were leaving other people out. They couldn't afford it. And they were abusing the Lord's Supper. Go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You'll find out what they were doing. There was division. There was pride. There was all manner of things going on in the church. I can't even list them all. And Paul was having to deal with all of that. But he said, listen, listen, you're still walking carnality. See, all the problems could be summed up in the, in the Corinthian church. All the problems could be summed up as one main problem. The people could not or would not detach themselves from the world they lived in. That's what carnal is. Do we have carnal Christians today? You better, you better believe we do. Some are sitting right in here. Just worldly. You, you want to have, have one foot in the world. You want to have one foot in Jesus. Right? And guess what the walk looks like? Pretty bad looking walk. Right? But a lot of people do. I want to I have my world. And I've got a separate place for the world. And I've got this separate place for Jesus. It doesn't work like that. Matter of fact, he says, I want all of you. I want you to give everything to me. 
The people that hang on to their they hang on to their money. Well, this is my money. This is my money. God can't have my money. God says I can take it all, buddy. I can take it all because it's mine. I gave it to you. I can take it away. Everything that we have is belongs to God. So we have to get that, that worldly mindset has to be quenched. It has to be put. That that stronghold has to be pulled down so we can start walking in the things of God. See, they were bringing the world into the church all the time. We see that we see that all the time in the Church of America today. That the church looks a lot like the world, and the world looks a lot like the church in some instances. You know, if they tell us, I was telling somebody yesterday in in praise team practice. I said, you know what? If they ever come into to Texas and they say you can't have church anymore, you know what our church will be? I want. I'm just going to forewarn you. It's going to be a peaceful protest. And if we can't meet in here and they bar the doors and they turn off the lights like they're doing in California, we will walk out and we'll say, well, can we have a peaceful protest? Oh, yeah, you can do that. Okay, we're going to amass together. We're going to march to the streets and we're going to sing about Jesus. We're going to do a peaceful protest. We'll, we'll preach the word about Jesus. We're going to protest the devil. We're going to protest the world. Are you all with me? Yeah, we'll see. We're meeting at what time and what park? <laughs> They're calling it church. It's peaceful protest. Just have to remember the right wording, right? You see, Jesus didn't, he didn't respond with carnality. I mean, because he is the son of God. Look at Philippians 2, 6. It says, who being in the form of God, we're talking about Jesus, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Think about that. King of kings, the Lord of lords, creator of the universe, made himself of no reputation. Now, that, that doesn't sound worldly, does it? That sounds godly. Taking the form of a bondservant, he chose to be a servant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient. Obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. See, Jesus, we've talked about this before. He could have said, when, when he went to the garden and said, Father, if it's possible, I'll let this cup pass from me. He could have said, God, Father, I don't want to do this. You're going to have to find another way. But see, he wasn't thinking in a carnal way. He wasn't thinking about the punishment and the pain and all. He was thinking, if I do this, millions of people are going to get to come to the kingdom of God. Millions, millions if I go to the cross, see, we're not willing sometimes to go to the cross for people. We're not willing to do what God would tell us to do. So we walk in disobedience and say, you know what, God, that's not for me. I, I really want this. I want to hang on to this. And God says, no, that's going to be a detriment to your children. That's going to be a detriment to your witness. But, well, but God, I want to hang on to this. I, listen, I know it's disobedience, but God, I want to hang on to this. And God says, let go of it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Everything we, we see, everything in the news, it's about the battle, it's about the election, it's about who's going to win the president, it's about the debates, it's all about that. But listen, we've said it over and over and over and over and again. If we don't recognize it, we're in a spiritual battle, we'll miss it. America's in a spiritual battle for the soul of America. That's why we meet on Tuesdays at 2, from noon to 1. We come together and we pray. And men would say, and, and if you watch the return many times, God, don't leave America, God. And if you have left, come back, God. We need you. 
Over and over. Listen, we need to repent. We need to be on our knees. We need to be on our face. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray that God's have His way in our lives and in our country. But see, the soulish realm, listen, I'm going to get a little political here, and if you don't like it, that's, that's okay. But the soulish realm will tell you, well, that's a good man, and he was, he was very rude and all that. But listen, if one man says it's okay to kill babies, and the other man said it's not okay to kill babies, you go with the rude guy that said it's not okay to kill babies. You don't look at his care. You don't look, oh, I'm, gonna so, I'm so upset the way he acts and the way he talks. Listen, but he says don't kill babies. I don't care what the other guy looks like and what he says. If at, the, if at the end of the day he said it's okay to abort babies and if it's okay to have homosexual marriages, if it's okay to take prayer out of schools, if it's okay to take God out of our country, listen, you don't vote for him. Woo! I don't care what your political affiliation is. You vote for God. Well, he didn't look like God. Well, listen, a lot of us don't look like God either. Is that too political? It's the truth. It's just the truth, guys. We've got to take a stand. And I hear, I read, and I read, I read, I'm getting off of, off the subject. I read a, a, an article in the Standard Times yesterday, the opinion page. Anybody ever read the opinion page? And it was actually a Democrat. And I, man, should I say this? It was a Democrat. The Democrat said, listen, I don't know what you think about President Trump, but he said the Democratic Party said, I'm a Democrat, but I'm going to vote for him because the Democratic Party has gone so off the rails that it needs to be turned around. It needs to come back to where kind of what it used to be. So if you're offended because you're a Democrat, get over it. I just challenge you. Listen, just challenge you to vote. In accordance to the word of God, thou shalt not kill. That's enough. 61 million babies. Do we even cry over them? 61 million souls that we put our stamp on. We have, an, we have an opportunity to have another justice in our Supreme Court who believes that that's a sin, that it's wrong. That could overturn Roe v. Wade. I know a lot of people say so that'll never happen. Listen, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And if this is on Facebook, they might take me off. I don't care. Because they're trying to run and rule everything through the media, and it just sucks. Yeah, I said it sucks. Where am I? Is this plexiglass or is it, is it bulletproof? Oh. God, if I said something out of order, you just forgive me. But if it's truth, Lord, may it go forward and touch the hearts of people that need the truth. This is one of my wife's favorite passages. It's in Romans 8. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 8. When I said God has a better strategy 
First, he says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I mean, that's where we're at. The enemy will exalt other things in your life. He'll exalt other people in your life. He'll exalt, it's called idolatry. He'll exalt other things in your life, other people in your life, other positions in your life, every programs in your life, whatever you, he exalts those things above the knowledge of God. That's what's happened in our country. Things in our, our country have been exalted way above God, and God's been pushed down here. Somebody said, well, if God was so loving and kind, why would he allow all this to happen in our country? And the response from, I think, Ann Lotz Graham was, well, because you kicked him out. Now you want him to come do something? Get political again. This is the Amplified Classic Edition. I love the way it says this, because God has... A strategy. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, does the Holy Spirit dwell in you? Okay. Then He who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to your life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We Hopefully you understand that. We have uh, short-lived lives, really, 120 years max probably. Uh, but He will raise us up. Okay? He's going to raise us up because He raised Jesus from the dead. So then, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our carnal nature. Y'all hear that? We're not obligated to our carnal nature to live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh or the dictates of the world, the, the dictates of Satan. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually, say habitually. Talked about that last week. Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body. You shall really and genuinely live forever. He said it's got to become a habit that when, the, when those things come up in your heart, when those things come up in your mind, you've just got to crucify them one by one by one by one. You can't, and it's got to become a habit. When that dirty thought, when that perverse thought, when that perverse ideal comes to your mind, you've got to start one by one by one. Say, no, 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 no. Crucify it. Crucify your flesh. Because all our evil deeds start with evil thoughts, right? So we have to habitually put those things to death. Carnal and worldly ways of thinking and doing are arguments against the mind and the methods of God. Those kind of thoughts that get into your minds and want to debate God. Listen, if you want to get in a debate with God, you will lose. I don't know who won that debate the other day, but God will not lose a debate. Because He is God, and we're not. And by, listen, just simple acts of disobedience. I know we don't mean this, but by actually when God says do something, you say I'm not going to do it, you actually are saying by that that you think that you know more than God. We all do. We've all done it. God said, well, this is what I want you to do. Yeah, God, that's a great idea, but I think I'd rather do this. Listen, God's idea is better than yours. It's better than mine. The fifth thing is to the obedience of Christ. Remember, he's talking to Christians here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5b, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience. We're talking about obedience this morning. To the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Say every thought. Capture it. Capture every thought. Bring it to the obedience of Christ. That means to 
to come against the carnal way of thinking and doing. Our thoughts must be brought captive and made obedient. You must bow at the name of Jesus. We are not helpless victims or recipients of our thoughts. Oh, I just couldn't help myself. Mm, I'm sure nobody's ever said that. I just can't get that out of my mind. I'm going to just go have to go through with it because I can't get it out of my mind. Right? We, we, that's how the enemy works. He, start, he puts a thought in there, and it keeps rotating and rotating. You got it on the Rolodex, right? Some young people don't watch a Rolodex. It keeps going over and over and over and over in your mind. Until you guess what? Do you say stop? Stop. I have none of that. Take it captive. You know, Joyce Meyer wrote a book many years ago called The Battlefield of Your Mind. That's a great book if you've never read it. She says this, one of the greatest revelations of my life is I can choose, say choose. I can choose my thoughts and think things on purpose. In other words, I don't have to just think about whatever falls into my mind. See, we get in such a habit of believing things and they fall into our mind and we think, well, I must have to, that must be, uh, I must need to do that because it's in my mind to do. And God says, no, 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 no. Take control of your thoughts. Control your thoughts. She also says this, your life will not get straightened out until your mind does. Your, your life will not get straightened out until your mind gets straightened out. So how do you get your mind straight now? You take those thoughts and be a captive to the obedience of Christ. We choose to stop our thoughts and bring every thought into captivity. We lay that thought at the foot of the cross. If it's not from God, and you know when it's not from God, you know when I hear His voice, you know when the enemy starts speaking, you know when your own flesh starts speaking, and you take that very thought and you say, no, I'm... See, a lot of people go, well, I already had the thoughts, that means I must have sinned. No, it doesn't. You have to walk it through either in your mind or in, act, in actual act, in action. Because everybody's tempted. Temptation doesn't mean you sinned. But you have to take that temptation, whatever that thought is, whatever that look is, whatever that thing is, you have to take it and you say, no, that is not from God. I do not participate with that. I, take, I capture that thought. I capture that in my mind and I take it. And I, I always say people, tell people, take it and lay it at the foot of the cross because Jesus died for that. Give it to him. God, I can't handle this. He said, I know you can't, but I can. Give it to him. And the last thing is that Paul says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The sixth thing, the last thing is obedience fulfilled. Obedience fulfilled. You know, that's kind of, that's one of those little weird little verses. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever like, oh, what does that mean? You want to punish this? I want to punish the disobedience? It actually means he was going to punish the disobedience when he got there. He, he, this, is what he, this is what I think he means. If you're not willing to repent, church, all of you that have been participating with the gossip in the division and in slandering my name, all of you that have been doing that, if you're not willing to repent before I get there, when I get there, we're going to have a little talk. And some of you, listen, if you're not willing to repent, if you're not willing to take those thoughts captive, if you're not willing to change your actions, you know what we're going to do? We're going to set you outside the church. Did you know they did that back then? Listen, if, you're, if there's somebody, if, if they're divisive and all their, their agenda is to destroy the church, you get them out of the church. 
You turn them over, the Bible says you turn them over to Satan and so their souls can be saved. And he said, listen, if you're not willing to repent, he's writing a tough letter here. And if you're not willing to walk in obedience to Christ, then when I get there, if you haven't changed, we're going to deal with it. And you know what that's called? You know what that's called, Betty? It's called deliverance. It's deliverance. See, some of you, you have strongholds. You have, you have prayed. You've done, you've done self-deliverance. You've tried everything that you know to do. And nothing's happened. You're still dealing with the same old stuff that you were dealing with five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. And God says, you need deliverance. You need to go to somebody that can help you. So if Paul's come to deliverance, I believe people are going to get delivered. If you come on Tuesday night and you say, there's a stronghold in my life, and it's not just a habit. Listen, a stronghold is a habit on steroids. That's what a stronghold is. It's a habit on steroids. It's something you, for some reason, for whatever reason, you just can't break it. But here's the thing. Just like the church here at Corinth, you've got to say, I'm willing. I want to get rid of this. I'm done. I don't want this anymore. And then you say, what do I do? And God says, well, they have a thing called Liberation Night on, 60, on Tuesday night at 6.30. You might want to show up for that. How many people have we seen set free? Over. And not just Deliverance Night. During the week, Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. There's no good. There's all, all days are good for deliverance. But you've got to want to be set free. Just a good plug for you, isn't it? Just happen to be on the week we have deliverance. Didn't plan it that way. God did. But the bottom line is we've got to want it. So no matter what your disobedience is rooted in this morning, rebellion, fear, anger, pride, doubt, ignorance, your past, your generational curses, I mean, I could go on and on while you're walking in this, while you're making bad choices that don't honor God. Whatever they are, God can set you free. He can set you free. He can, you can begin to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Those arguments that come up, nah, God, take care of this. I, I like that illustration of that, that person got saved and the devil came and you know, knocked on the door of her heart. And she said, and it was the devil. Uh, and she said, uh, Jesus, could you get that? Pretty good, huh? Got to think about it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Jesus, could you get that? Why, sure. <laughs> Why, sure. Y'all stand. Can we have the ministry team come to the front? You know, the enemy works through a fence. The Bible says that, every, that offense is going to come. I might have offended some of you this morning. But there's a difference between being offended and taking up an offense. Do you understand that? You can be offended. Well, I sure didn't like what that pastor said about and fill in the blank about voting, whatever you want to fill in. I didn't like what he said about that, uh, about what the Scripture said. I, I don't like what he said about that. And you can be offended by that, or you can go, I'm not going to take up an offense. If I don't understand what he said, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to check it out. 
Don't just believe me for what I say. Read the word. Check it out. Do your own, do your own study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's your job, not mine. Well, it's mine too, but don't get upset and get mad at me if God said, hey, you might want to think about what he said. Because all I'm up here for is to help you. I, when I pray before I come out, or the night before, this in the morning, when I'm in my office getting ready, I say, Lord, I submit my voice to you. I submit my voice to you. And I'm not trying to be, you already know this, I'm not trying to be Mr. Popular because a sermon like this makes you Mr. Unpopular. I'm not trying to tickle your ears. The Bible says, listen, that's going to happen in the last days. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to tickle your ears and make you feel good. I'm here to, I'm here to raise up an army. Last I heard, those drill sergeants didn't come in and tickle anybody's ears. I'm not, I haven't been in the army, but I've seen the movies. And they use a lot worse language than I use. But they're not, you know why? Because they know it's life and death. When they're training those soldiers, they said, this is life. and You need to know your weapon. You need to know how to put it together and take it apart in the dark. They do. We have to know our weapons. Our weapons are not carnal. They're not worldly. They're mighty in God and the pulling down of strongholds. Just bow your heads. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I, Lord, I thank you that your word, you don't mince words in your word. Because you want us to know the truth. Because you said in your word, if we know the truth, the truth would set us free. Not some preacher, but the truth would set us free. So this morning, Lord, if there are, there are people here, I know that have been battling strongholds. And they need to be pulled down today. There are people in this place that have habitually fallen into a rut of not walking in obedience. And Lord, today they can know your mercy and your grace. Just like Paul said, I used to be that, but I'm not anymore. Don't you want to know that today, church? Don't you want to know? God didn't, he didn't come here to beat you up. He came here to lift you up. He says, when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. Can you just picture that? Jesus saying, I love you so much. I don't want you to stay in your sin. I don't want you to stay in your disobedience. I want to, I want you to walk in freedom. I want to, I want you to walk in obedience. He says to, to obey is better than sacrifice. So, Lord, give us a heart of obedience today. Change the way we think, Lord. And give us a repentant heart and mind as we change the way we think about certain situations and things in our life that we've been given. We've just been, we've just been lazy. We haven't been listening to you. and We've just been doing our own thing. Give us that restart today to walk in freedom, to walk in your purpose with passion and obedience. Pray this in Jesus' name.